Alleluia, Christ is risen. The steadfast love of the Lord. That's our topic for today. It hits us right at the beginning of our intro. It, the Latin phrase that you might see plastered in a few places is misericordias domini. The steadfast or the enduring love, the mercy of the Lord. And that's exactly what we need. Is it not? A little love, a little mercy, and perhaps not even that we need, well, we, we just need a superhero. Perhaps that's why the Avengers movie has been so successful. Most of you have probably followed it or seen it. I won't go into a lot of detail, nor will I spoil it for those of you that haven't seen it, but we want heroes, but we also want heroes who, who have a backstory, who can relate a little bit to what we have to deal with. And so when you can weave a tale like that, well, it sells. I had a hero as a child, a shepherd, you might say. You see, we moved away from my place of birth, Kansas City, when I was just a couple years old. My dad had decided he, well, he, he had spent time growing up on a farm and ever since then had been stuck in the city and, and he wanted to get back to, to farm life. He, he wanted animals and he wanted chickens and he wanted his sons to, to milk cows and, well, we had goats, but anyway, chop wood and all that sort of thing. So when I was just a baby, we, we moved down to southeast Missouri, 250-acre timber farm, and we had all the various kind of animals and an acre or two of that. It was all food for us. We didn't really sell it. But we had sheep. And still to this day, if you've ever been around sheep, the nastiest things get stuck in their nastiest wool. And so once a year, we'd have to shear the sheep. And I remember that. And I remember how dirty and nasty, and I remember especially when it had been wet and muddy and the smell of that. There on the farm, we also had some chickens, and there was one rooster in particular that ruled the roost. We had a large barnyard, the chicken coop was was kind of penned off, but it, it, it opened up, and, and we had this one rooster that would roam all the rest of the pens. I'm not sure why Dad would let him do that, but this rooster was, he was the big kahuna, if you know what I mean. And he kept track, and, and he would squawk and peck at the goats and the sheep, and we even had a little horse for a while, one of those little short things that would never let anybody ride it. I'm not sure why we had it around. But this rooster, he was the boss. And he didn't want to get in this rooster's way because he was a rooster that had an attitude, if you know what I mean. One day my dad's on the other side of the farm doing something and I'm doing one of my normal chores, which, which is to, to feed the chickens and, and get the eggs and I don't remember all the stuff I used to do when I was that young. But anyway, I crossed paths with this rooster. And this rooster, 
came at me like, well, like the Hulk in the Avengers. Or maybe that's not fair, because it was a little bitty thing and I was a little bigger, but it came at me with spurs and claws flapping its wings. They don't really fly, they kind of hop and flap. And just all over me, scratches, and I was probably seven or eight, I don't remember. I thought I was going to die. No, really, I thought I was going to die. I was bleeding, I was scared, I was trying to run away from this rooster who was chasing me. I mean, you can just kind of imagine the side of it, right? And I come around the side of the barn, and there's my hero, my dad. And he doesn't walk real fast, he doesn't run, he comes up calmly, and that chicken at the point, that rooster is there on the ground pecking at my, well, dad just takes his big foot and steps on it. He steps on that rooster that was giving me such a hard time, I'm bloody, I'm screaming, and he grabs that rooster by the neck, and he goes out back behind the, ha- the barn where we had a old stump with two little nails in it. And he says, you know what we use this stump for, right? Yes, sir. Go get me what I need. Needless to say, that rooster's head went flying, and Mom cooked the best fried chicken I've ever had. (laughs) My hero rescued me. Who's your hero? You might have those in your life who have had a job to do, whether it's caring for children, and and let me tell you, when you become a parent, it really changes how you look at things. It makes you think about more than yourself. And that'll be hard to get used to. But you'll do it. That's the job. God has hired each of us, you might say, to do different jobs whether it's a mother or a father, whether it's your vocation that you are currently in, the job you actually do get paid money for, but I would submit to you that we're all hirelings. And a hireling is not a bad thing in and of itself. It means we have a job to do and we need to do it. So the first thing today is to think about what you need to do. What roosters are there that are running around for others that you can help get rid of, that you can bind up the wounds and the scratches, that you can help heal, that you can help prepare a meal for. Such things as Christians we are called to think about for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to never forget that, well, we're the hirelings. You see, that doesn't sit so well. Sometimes as a Christian, you want to be more than a hireling. You want to be more than the hero that God has placed you to be in this time and place. You want to be maybe all things to all people, a complete misunderstanding. You, well, you want to be Jesus, don't you? And so perhaps you set up lofty goals for yourself that, well, you'll just never achieve. My dad, even though... He is my hero. As I've gotten older, I've come to know his weaknesses and his 
fallacies. I've come to see him, as you saw him here a few weeks ago, 72, 73 years old, having to use a walking staff because his body has failed him. The one strong man who defended me from that vicious rooster now needs help getting in and out of a car and even bed. You see, we, if we look to ourselves, will fail, but for us stands our one true hero, you might say. But, but the Bible doesn't use that language. It uses this language. Listen very carefully. It's short and sweet, and then I'll be done. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. There's only one. And while the Lord might place others around, hirelings, even pastors who are but under shepherds, none of us are this guy or can be this guy. Because this guy comes and he does something that, well, he lays down his life for the sheep. What shepherd would really do that? Sacrifice his life for those dirty, smelly creatures? Oh no. Those creatures, if they get out of line, they're going to be eaten for supper. But this shepherd is different. This shepherd cares so much for his creatures, for his creation, that he becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The hirelings can't do it. No amount of good works, no amount of preparation, no amount of this will get you what you need. The Good Shepherd freely provides it. And if you pay attention to our Old Testament text, this Good Shepherd fulfills that which was promised, that there would come one Good Shepherd who would bring all the people out, who would gather them from all the countries and would feed them on the mountains of Israel. Feed them not just on the mountains, but in the ravines. Feed them not just where it's desolate, but also the inhabited places of the country. This good shepherd feeds you on the mountain heights of Israel. Your grazing land, your food that he provides now for your life here and now is well, if you got a chance to come on Wednesday to our Wednesday morning Bible study, you could hear a little bit more about that. Or perhaps just read the book of Isaiah on your own. It's all about Jerusalem, but not the actual city that gets destroyed. It's the heavenly Jerusalem that God, pre God creates. It's, it's, it's God's presence that comes down to earth. You see, all the things of Holy Week and Easter and Jesus Himself who, who now spends 40 days, and that's why we light the Paschal candle during this time, that big fat candle right there. We are in these 40 days. Jesus could have, could have died and risen and just gone up into heaven right away, but no, 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 He's a good shepherd. So what does He do for 40 days? Talked to the preschoolers this week. It was quite fun. He walks around and greets people. He gives them handshakes and high fives and hallelujahs. And he eats with them to prove he's, he's not like Slimer or Casper the ghost, right? 
He shows he's got real flesh and blood, that he who has once dead is now alive, that this is your shepherd who has conquered death for you. So I ask you again, who's your hero? Who do you look to? Where do you look to to find what you need in this life now? Because the one true shepherd has come for you, has shed his holy precious blood there on the mountain heights, that you may feed on the mountain heights, that you may come and taste and see that the Lord is good, that you may have a medicine of immortality, his body and his blood coursing through your very veins to uplift you, to nourish you, to strengthen you, to go out now and do that which he has hired and given you to do, to take out perhaps those horrible roosters, to pester your kids or your friends or your family, to work hard, but to know that ultimately the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And that his mercies never come to an end. This Sunday we contemplate what it means to have a good shepherd. And he is yours. And you are his. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Please stand for prayer.